is A255, Season 2, shaped by the word, the drama of Scripture. We've been reading uh, through the prophets. We read several passages from Isaiah, but we'll read you know, three or four passages from Jeremiah. Uh, chronologically, we've really taken a step back because uh, as we're going through the narrative passages of Scripture, we've come to the point where the temple has been rebuilt and the people are coming back from exile where God has scattered them among the nations because of their unfaithfulness to him. And, and you have a beleaguered people who've rebuilt the wall and rebuilt the temple, but the glory of the Lord, you know, has, has not returned to them. When we go to the prophets, we have, uh, you know, the prophets warning them uh, that indeed, you know, the nations are going to uh, be overrun as an act of God's judgment, and they will be scattered to the nations. And so Jeremiah is right there at the cutting edge of that. Uh, when the nations go into exile, he is... Uh, prophesying in Jerusalem, and he's actually still prophesying when uh, Jerusalem is completely restored. And of course, it's his message, and, and part of it we missed was his message even to the exiles in Babylon, you know, to settle down and seek the welfare mm-hmm. of the city. You can still be God's people, even though the circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, have, have overtaken you. Mm-hmm. So we come to a curious, you know, little passage toward, uh, you know, right before the fall of Jerusalem, uh, whenever, uh, you know, God tells uh, Jeremiah to invest in real estate. And uh, Jeremiah's coming. This has to be the possibly the worst time ever to invest in real estate <laughs> here in Jerusalem, and it's part of God's guarantee. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to buy land, knowing that you will return, and I will restore all things. Mm-hmm. So we come to Jeremiah chapter thirty-two, and as always, by the way, I'm here with Cindy Camp and David Keefe and Matt Kresge, as always, and I'm Paul, uh, as always. Uh, we we. Uh, we offer ourselves and we offer the moment to the Lord in the hope that our encounter with him through his word uh, will continue his work in us as he has promised. So, David, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Now let's pray. And Father, we, as always, thank you for time in your word. Um, what a gift to, to hear from you and to see your heart and your character. Um, we thank you for your word. May it do the deep work in our hearts that only it can do. Um, Father, renew us, um, restore us, and help us to behold wonderful things in your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Jeremiah 32. In the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, the army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, This is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into the hands of the kings of Babylon, and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, or he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anathoth, because his nearest relative it is your right and duty to buy it. Then just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. 
I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase and sealed the copy containing the terms and conditions as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neri, the son of Masai, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and of the witnesses who had signed the deed, and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In your presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so that it will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neri, I prayed to the Lord, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for parents, sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You gave them this land. You had sworn to give their ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you had commanded them to do. So you brought all this disaster on them. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy a field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of Babylonians and to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who will capture it. The Babylonians are attacking the city, will come in and set it on a fire. They'll burn it down, along with the houses where the people aroused by my anger, burning incense on the roof to the bell, and by pouring out drink offerings to other gods. The people of Israel and Judah have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. Indeed, the people of Israel have done nothing but arouse my anger with their hands, uh, with what their hands have made, declares the Lord. From the day that it was built until now, this city has so aroused my anger and wrath that I must remove it from my sight. People of Israel and Judah have provoked me by all the evil they have done, they, their kings and their officials, their priests and prophets, the people of Judah, and those living in Jerusalem. They turned their backs to me and not their faces, though I taught them again and again. They would not listen or respond to discipline. They set up their vile images in the house that bears my name and defiled it. They built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech, though I never commanded nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and so make Judah sin. You were saying about the city, by the sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord of God Israel says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my fierce anger and with great wrath. I'll bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I'll be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all things will go well for them and their children after them. I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. I'll never stop doing good to them and I'll inspire them to fear me so that they'll never turn away from me. I rejoice in doing them good and will surely plant them in this land 
with all my heart and soul. This is what the Lord says. As I have brought all this calamity on this people, so I will give them all the prosperity I have promised them. Once more, fields will be bought in this land, which you say, it is a desolate waste without people or animals, for it has been given into the hands of the Babylonians. Fields will be bought for silver, and deeds will be signed, sealed, and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah, in the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills, and of the Negev, because I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. So you have a nice enactment of what you know God will do in the future mm-hmm. you know, by the simple investment that uh, uh, Jeremiah has made in the land, uh, which, by the way, he, he'll never get to see uh, the restoration of it. Mm-hmm. But God has also made an investment in this land, and he will restore it and will restore its fortunes. And so you have in this actions, as many times you do in the prophets, you have symbolic uh, actions that you know, uh, show the future of what you know, God, you know, God will do. Love that one line, you know, as he's kind of talking about the people, and it's just a. There was one line in there you liked. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot, but <laughs> it just really stood out, just as a you know a posture of the people at that time towards God in verse 33 that they turned their backs to me and not their faces. You know, just that whole idea of you know obviously the back turned to God, and not the face, but the face you know being turned towards Him and, and worship to see Him and to. Behold him for for who he truly is, and and I love how he, you know Jeremiah describes him, and you know kind of verses seventeen all the way down to to twenty three, just really re going again through the narrative, starting with creation and and talking about you know the faithfulness of God to take them out of Egypt, and so I just love seeing you know you can quickly turn your face from God and give him your back, but to turn back to him is to remember him and and who he is and what he's done, and then Jeremiah gave us a, a great glimpse of that. And, and of course, you know that's a symbol, you know, of intimacy. As uh, intimacy as uh, Israel, the priests of Israel were called, you know, to bless the nation and say, "May the Lord uh, cause His face to shine upon you." And, and of course, it uh, it is a sign of good favor. It's a kind of intimacy. It's a kind of sign of deep love. And, and of course, to show someone your back is a sign of uh, a complete uh, complete denial of who who they are. And, of course, God has done that in judgment for them as well. He has turned his face away from them and has turned their back to them as a sign of judgment. This is one of those chapters that you you get God's judgment, but also his salvation kind of all wrapped up in in one, you know. And and, and it's important, I think. I mean, we see it time and time again in Scripture that those two things be held together and and you can't overemphasize one to the neglect of the other, you know. But he says, I love you know, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. And he says, nothing's too hard for you. And then the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and says, I'm the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And he says, judgment's coming. But, you know, after judgment, salvation wow. comes. And and what a great, I mean, maybe if you're the one receiving this word, it's not so hopeful in that moment, unless your response is to turn your face again towards the Lord, to turn back to him in repentance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what a great promise. You know, I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me. So, so not only will they actually begin to fear me, but I will give them the very, you know, desire to fear me. And, mm-hmm. and so just the, I mean, when the Lord who is sovereign, who is good, says I will never stop doing good to them, I mean, what a great promise mm-hmm. held out. Yeah, I like just shortly after that, 2 and 42, as I have brought all this calamity on this people, so I will give them all the prosperity that I have promised them. 
So yeah, it goes hand in hand. And we see that even when he says that he disciplines those that he loves. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's both. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. We, we often think of, you know, God's grace as, as, as the experience of God's abundance, but mm-hmm. it's also in grace that sometimes he, with, <laughs> excuse me, it's also in grace that sometimes he withholds his abundance mm-hmm. uh, so that we, you might seek him and turn back to him. Yeah. And, and that's a big picture of what's you know, going on here. And of course, that's a, the common you know, prophetic tapestry to be able to speak in the same breath you know, of, of the judgment of God and the restorative you know, grace mm-hmm. of God. And of course, God is glorified in both. He's mm-hmm. glorified. He proves himself just you know, when he judges sin. And he also proves himself you know, just when he is merciful. Matter of fact, uh, the only, you know, the only blemish on God's uh, justice, you know, at this point would be his forgiving heart. And of course, the cross redeems that where he punishes our sins on the person of Jesus so that he can offer us the grace that is due Jesus. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for who you are. We thank you that uh, when you judge, you judge rightly. When you bring discipline, it is exactly what we need in the moment. And when you Show mercy is exactly what we need in that moment. We thank you that you are a God uh, who is is just. And we thank you that you have called us to be a people who are a reflection of you. Thank you for the opportunity to know you. Father, we thank you for your spirit, which leads us into deeper understanding of who you are. And we pray that your spirit would continue his work in our life uh, so that we may be your people, as we've heard so many times from Jeremiah. And you are God. Amen. Amen.